Hi, you're listening to 48 Minutes, and this is Tim Kittrow from NBA Jam. Ooh, boom, shakalaka. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to 48 Minutes, brought to you by 48MinutesNetwork.com.com.com.com.com.com. We are really excited for part two of LA Week as we do our run through our team previews. Uh, we got the Lakers that just came up on Monday with Harrison Fagan, obviously. So now we have the Clippers, the obviously the other team that shares not only a city, but an arena. And we have, from Clips Nation, one of the chief editors there, Mr. Robert Flom. Mm-hmm. Robert, welcome. How are you? I'm good. How are you doing? Good, man. Thanks for coming on the show. Thanks. This, this is the first time in three years we've had a Clippers writer. Wow. There are not many of us. It's actually kind of like a running joke. Uh, <laughs> the Clippers media section is, is a uh, it's a very small group. It's like, is it like Steve Ballmer just taking some of his Microsoft employees and throwing them in there so it looks like it's more? <laughs> it, it might come to that point in a year or two. Uh, we'll, we'll see. Hopefully it doesn't. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, there's, there's maybe like, uh, oof. On a lot of game days, there's maybe like a half dozen media people covering who are like local Clippers people. Uh, Wait who are a like not An NBA team has six people in media row. Um, no, there are more than that, but I'm just like oh. covering like the Clippers. There are a lot of like scouts or like, okay. Um, okay. yeah, or people from like, you know, very small sites who got a credential for like a very specific story, like a, like a sneaker story or like they need to ask a player something, you know, very specific. But in terms of like day-to-day coverage, uh, it's, it's very small. Man, sounds like I need to move to LA. I can get a late, I get a Clipper credential. I'm in. Uh, you probably could. How's that work when they play the Lakers? Is like, do the Lakers just take all the credentials? I don't really know. I've honestly never covered a Lakers game. I and mean, the Lakers, even when they weren't very good, probably had like you know a million times the number of people covering as the Clippers do. Um, with LeBron in LA, uh, I'm sure getting a Lakers credential is is very tough. Um, but yeah. I guess they also want like as many people covering the team as possible. It's kind of like the whole conflicting side of, of media access is like you want people, but like you want reputable people. And it's like this whole thing. Uh, but I don't know how it works for the Lakers at all. The Clippers people are very friendly, very cool. Um, Good. Yeah. So before we get into the full, full Lake, the Clippers team preview, let you know this is 48 Minutes, brought to you by 48MinutesNetwork.com, as I said at the beginning, where you can check out all of our podcasts and articles, whether you're on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play, iHeartRadio, and of course Spotify. Be sure to be kind enough to give us that nice five-star review and let your friends know all about us so we can keep growing this little project as we continue to advance our name in the world of NBA media and NBA Twitter. Um, So with that being said, Robert, we'll go ahead and get started, man. Um, Obviously, it's been a transitional period for the Clippers. Um, Mm -hmm. Last year, J.J. Redick leaves, Chris Paul leaves, Blake Griffin is told he'll be a Clipper for life and then traded. And then this offseason, DeAndre Jordan leaves. So it's the first time without that core four guys there, uh, really going, like, at least one of them going into a season. So I ask, how weird is this? It's very weird. Uh, Honestly, probably more DJ than anybody else. Uh, JJ was there for four years. I mean, he was very well liked, and he was a a key part of those teams. But he wasn't, like, a homegrown clipper um, like DeAndre Jordan was, who's, I mean, it's probably 10 years on the team. Uh, you know, he was drafted in 2008. 
uh, Clippers fans watched him grow up from like you know this very young, immature, raw player to All Star, All NBA, All Defense center. Uh, and he, he almost left twice. Uh, people forget that even before the Mavericks incident in uh, 2015, the Warriors signed him to an offer sheet in 2011 in oh, restricted yeah. free agency. Uh, so he's almost left two times. Um, but uh, it is, it's very weird with him and Griffin not in Clippers uniforms anymore going into a season and not having chatter about, you know, what has Blake done over the summer? It's just now that is piston stuff now. Yeah, and you know, now you guys can talk about what Boban did over the summer. <laughs> I'm sure whatever he did was really cool. Um, he's doing like this video game. He's part yeah. of the Witcher, uh, the Witcher Three, or not the Witcher Three. Um, what's the thing with with John Wick Three? He's in John Wick. Yeah, 3. yeah, that's right. He's in, I was gonna say, I knew he was in like an action movie. So, um, yeah. So he's now up there with George Mirasan, who was in uh, My Giant. So, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, that's awesome. So talking about the Blake trade, obviously. Um, Bond being a part of that, like I joked around there, and then you also get Tobias Harris, which I love that move for the Clippers. Um, one, you get rid of that terrible Blake Griffin contract that at some point he's going to make $32 million on. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and two, you get a really good player in Tobias Harris that you can really kind of, as you make this transition, he can be a go-to veteran, a guy who's been in a lot of battles. He's a very, very good player, great three-point shooters. We saw he was in the contest and they're in the All-Star, game, uh, All-Star period. So... Where, when you know when the trade happened compared to where you are now, how, have your feelings changed? Are you still about the same? I think there are three different shifts uh, in, in regarding you know how we feel about the trade. I think there was the initial just the emotional shock for people, not even just fans, but even people who just covered the team and been around the team for a while. Just like wow, like Blake's not on the team anymore. Um, you know, which was just a very, I wouldn't say negative, but it was just, you know, very personal, emotional. And for fans, um, you know, for real fans, that was obviously really tough. You know, Blake was the favorite player of, I'd say, you know, a lot of Clippers fans. Um, you know, Chris Paul and, and JJ and Jamal and DJ all had their, their followings, but Blake was the guy. Um, you know, he's the guy who's drafting really reversed the Clippers' fortunes. Uh, he was obviously so fun, especially in his younger years, very, you know, charismatic. Uh, he's funny huge following that was really rough and then within like a couple days there was a reaction of like oh you know what like his contract was horrible objectively um you know he was he was very good in the half season uh before the trade but he was injured and it looks like the injury problems are just never going to go away at this point he's a player who relies a lot on his athleticism he's not he's improving parts of his game he's a very hard worker he's gonna keep working on that three-point shot on stuff like passing uh ball handling but uh, he's not going to be as good as he was a few years ago. He was never really going to be worth it, that contract, especially in a couple of years. And people were like, you know what? Tobias Harris is really good. And as the season went along and we saw more of Tobias, and he turned in really the best stretch of his entire career with the Clippers, yeah. I think. Um, people went from, you know, the trade was good to the trade was like like a complete steal. I think people reversed course uh, very quickly. And I think that's really been the mood probably since April, which is just that, wow, like Tobias is awesome. We want him to be a Clipper long term, Uh, probably not an all-star level player, but pretty close. And he's just he's really good. And he's going to help the team win a lot of games as long as he's on the team. Yeah, I think that that's I mean, I love Tobias. Like I said, I think he's awesome. Um, It's just I can't say his name without thinking of rest of development, unfortunately. (laughs) <laughs> um, but other than that, he is awesome, and I so I'm, I I think that's a great move for the Clippers. I'm gonna give you a little bit of hot take where I'm at with the Clippers right now, Robert, and you might disagree with me. 
Um, but with the moves they've made in the draft, with the moves they've gotten from the, in the trade, with the guys that are gone, the DJs, the Chris Pauls, the Blake Griffins, where they're at in their career right now, I really like this young Clippers team more than where those players are at in their career. I know Chris Paul just played in the Western Conference Finals. I know DeAndre just got a big deal in Dallas, but I like getting Shea Gilles Alexander. I like having Tobias Harris. I like, you know, whatever you're going to get from Avery Bradley if he's able to play this year. So the only thing I don't like about the team is actually Doc Rivers. Um, I think that it depends what you're looking for. I mean, if you're looking for a team that's going to win a lot of games, I I remain a little skeptical that this team is going to make a real playoff push. I mean, I think, you know, they're not going to be bad as long as they don't have severe injury issues. But I think the West is so crowded, and they really lack that star power that they used to have in spades. And I think that'll that'll play against them a little bit. I think if you want exciting, I think this is the most exciting Clippers team we've had since probably the peak of the Lob City era, like maybe three years ago. Um, honestly, maybe even before then, if you know some people soured on that core and, and thought they got stale a lot earlier than that. Uh, I like Shea a lot also. I like Tobias. I like some of the other guys they have on the roster. And I think they're going to be a fun team. I think they're going to be exciting. Um, as for Doc, I think that people really soured on him a lot because of his dual role as a, as a coach and GM and some of the moves he made as a GM. But I thought he was a very good coach last year. I thought he got his team, which is like a cobbled-together mix of veterans and young guys and, and two-way players in the G League. He got them to play hard just about every night. Um, he really got them to stand out and play together. Their offense was amazing, and a lot of that had to do with uh, the brilliance of Lou Williams. But still, uh, you know, he was able to coax really good offensive efforts out of guys who really the, the, the roster is not super talented last year um i thought he was a pretty good coach last year like i don't i don't think he's anywhere close to like that pop carlisle you know spolster tier which is where he once was ranked uh you know with the celtics but i think he's he's a good nba coach uh and i think now that he's not running the team anymore or hugely involved in basketball operations, I think he can focus more on coaching. And I think that's really a big reason why his, his coaching got a lot better last year compared to years previous. So I'm not down on Doc Rivers. I think that if they decide to go through a full rebuild, there are probably some interesting young coaches out there who might fit those rosters a little bit better. But I think for what they're doing, where they're trying to remain competitive and have like a bunch of these veterans, I think, I think he's a good coach for the roster, to be honest. No, I get. I mean, that's fair. I'm just not a doc guy, man. I get like, <laughs> you know, I get he won a title, but that team bloomed really quickly. Obviously, as they <laughs> they went back to another finals, I know, but um, that team just had all the pieces. The title he won. I, not that he's a bad coach by any means. I just think that he has a tendency to out coach himself, and I think we've seen that in a few games down the stretch. So that's my only thing with Doc. And that's my only issue with them. Um, if you rebuttal, feel free to rebuttal. I'm not going to be upset with you. No, I mean, I think I, I don't think he's perfect. I mean, I do definitely agree with you. I think sometimes, you know, when it's it's always it might be the toughest thing for coaches uh, to decide like when to roll with lineups who are playing well if they're composed of bench guys or bringing in the starter stuff like that. I think definitely um, there have been qualms against Doc doing the wrong sorts of decisions with those when those had to be made in the past years. I think he he doesn't really stagger his starters very much. I think that's that's a big issue. Um, I, I just think next year's kind of transitionary, so I don't think it's a huge deal that he's the coach. 
Um, you know, if they're really doing a full rebuild or really going for like a title, I think, you know, there would be a bit of a different conversation, but it's hard for me to care too much, you know, as long as he's, he's fine. And, uh, like, you know, I just, I think the the bigger question is, you know, what are they trying to do next year? So, and, and can Doc help them do that? That's fair. I, that's completely fair. So let's talk a little bit about some of the offseason moves they've, uh, they made. Um, obviously we mentioned the draft getting Shea Gilson mm-hmm. Alexander. You had another pick in the draft who you took, Jerome Robinson, who I like a lot, too. Um, I know a lot of people say that the Clippers reached there. I, I like that pick, honestly. Um, <laughs> you bring in, uh, you bring back Montrez Harrell. You sign him to a little bit of a longer deal, which, again, a good move. Um, I like that move a lot. And then, of course, you know, you bring Luke Mbamute back, who I'm a big Luke Mbamute guy. I really believe if he was fully healthy and Chris Paul's healthy, I think that they're the NBA champions, the Rockets, that is. Um <laughs> So, what are your thoughts on all these guys coming in? You know, all these guys, a lot of guys bringing back. You know, Wesley Johnson, obviously, a Clippers, uh, too, obviously, a big part of the team. So, what do you see from all these guys and how they fit in? So, Luke Abamute is awesome. Yes. Uh, I'm, I'm completely there with you on, you know, the Rockets and what might have happened if he'd been healthy and, and Chris Paul had been healthy. I thought they were probably the better team uh, through most of that series, and it was just unfortunate that that CP went down with that injury. I know it must have killed him more than anyone uh, to be missing those games. Uh, but yeah, I mean, Luke was horrible in that playoff series. And I think that, you know, because of his shoulder injury, he couldn't even make layups. And I think that's really colored people's thoughts on him. He was so good for the Rockets last year and he was so good for the, the Clippers the last two years he was there. I mean, he's probably not quite an all NBA defender anymore, but he's pretty close. He's, you know, one of the, 10 to 15 best perimeter defenders in the NBA. He can switch. He can hit open threes. He can cut. Uh, he's just a smart basketball player. You know, awesome personality. Just a legendarily uh, well known for his you know for his personability and just being a good guy. Um, so for this particular team, I think he was an incredible fit. Um, you know, you mentioned Wes Johnson and Wes played the fourth most minutes on the Clippers last year. And while I like Wes a lot, again, great guy, great teammate. Um, you know, a solid enough veteran to have in a pinch. Mm-hmm. Uh, Luke is much better, and uh, his his playing over West and especially over guys like Sam Decker, uh, who's really bad last year, um, will make this team a lot better. Um, Montrez Harrell uh, was a guy who just it it's almost sounds snobby to say, but uh, but the people who didn't watch a ton of Clippers games last year, I don't just don't know if they know how good he was last year. Because um, you can look at the stats and be like, wow, he was like really efficient. He scored a lot in limited minutes, and that's true. But he just played with such like an amazing energy and force of will, and he he was really one of the the hearts of the team last year that won you know over forty games with an injury ravaged, uh, just cobbled together roster. Like I said earlier, and. He was just so good. Um, and I think Zach Lowe mentioned on his podcast a couple of months ago that there were actually people in the Clippers organization who thought they were better off with Trez on the floor instead of DJ. And I'm not sure I would go that far, uh, but it is a sign of just how fantastic he was last year. So I actually think two years, $12 million is very good. I understand it cups, cuts into the cap space next summer, which could be a bit tricky because they want to go after these big free agents. But I think that's that's a very good deal. Luke's deal, steal. Mike Scott's deal, very good. Um, so I think they're going to be very good. I mean, I think if healthy, especially you have to look at Patrick Beverly and Danilo Gallinari there. If those two guys are healthy, 
take my next uh, segment. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, and you, you have guys like Tobias who, you know, you, you love and I love and, and Luke and Bamute and, and Montrez Harrell. Like that's a very good competitive team. They're one of the deepest teams in the NBA and uh, they should be, they should be good and they should be a lot of fun. How good? Don't really know. And uh, yeah, I'll, I'll lead you in with uh, the injuries because the Clippers have a, a lot of injury concerns. <laughs> They do, yeah. And, I mean, um, like you said, Pat is a huge, huge part of that team. Um, he's very likable as mm-hmm. a personality. He's, a, he's definitely a personality. Mm-hmm. I, I call him part of the um, the J.R. Smith all-confidence team where he believes he's the best player on the floor and he won't let you tell him otherwise. Um, I definitely think he's a part of that team. Um, but Pat's really good. Obviously, he's a great defender. He's one of the few guys that gets in Russell Westbrook's head that yes. we've seen in the past. So. How important is it if this Clippers team wants to make a run at this very daunting Western Conference that got even more daunting with LeBron James coming to coming to the West? How important is it to have Pat on this team and healthy? Incredibly important. I'd say he's probably if he's healthy, he's probably the third best player on the roster. You could make an argument for a second even. Uh, they need his defense more than anything. They need his energy. They need his leadership on the court. Uh, you know, people don't think of him as, as being a true point guard. He's not some amazing passer. He's not some guy who's a gunner off the dribble, uh, like a Dame or Kyrie or, what, or whatever. But in terms of his leadership, he's very much a point guard. You know, he's the he's the head of the snake on defense. I think he's an underrated passer on offense. Again, he's not going to wow you, but he can run an offense. He can get a team into sets, and he is a good he's a good three point shooter. He's not amazing. He's good. Uh, just overall, very well balanced, um, and he's a guy who fits perfectly with the rest of the players in the Clippers roster. Um, and to be frank, like a lot of the Clippers roster does not make sense if you don't have his shooting and defense out there, uh, because guys like uh, Avery Bradley. And to a lesser extent, Lou Williams are, you know, they like they like scoring. They're more scorers than they are passers or playmakers. And Beverly tilts a little bit more to that end as a point guard. And, uh, you know, if he's out a lot, you have to thrust Che Gilgis-Alexander to minutes. And that could be a good thing because I think he's really good. And he could shock everybody with a great rookie year. But at the same time, you don't want to give him too many minutes, too, too much responsibility too early and kind of drown him. So I think Pat is hugely important. Um, you know, if he's injured a lot next year, he's not the same because of his, his knee injury. Uh, the Clippers are not going to be making the playoffs. They need him on the court. They need him to be mostly as good as he was before, I think, for a variety of reasons. So let's talk about Shea a little bit, and let's talk about actually Jerome. So mm-hmm. you brought up Lou Will. So one quick question we'll say, does Lou Will stay on the bench or is he going to start this year? I think he stays on the bench. I think so, too. I think that's just kind of his niche. Which, I don't know if we're allowed to talk about him, because he makes fun of basement-made podcasts. So, that, we'll get a quick Lou Will in real quick. I love Lou Will. He's great. But he can't hate on, on basement podcasts. Um, Lou Will is great. Um, he, he's just, like, a funny, cool guy. Yeah, um, for sure. And uh, yeah, he's one of those guys who, like, you know... There are a lot of NBA players who I think are a little thin-skinned about, you know, media criticism. And honestly, I can't really blame them that much. Um, You know, if I had a bunch of people who, you know, forget all the stereotypes about, like, the basement or, like, you know, sweaty nerds or whatever. Like, (laughs) you know, if I had a bunch of people who, like, realistically, like, 99% of NBA media people never played basketball past high school. If I had a bunch of people who are essentially amateurs at, like, the sport I'm playing are telling me, 
like how to do the sport and how to do it better. Like I'd I'd probably be pretty pissed off too. Sure. I'm not gonna lie. Yeah. So, uh, for Yusuke State, that means you know one of these young guys, or you know who would start in that two spot then? You know, for a guy who's not very educated on the Clippers, I asked this question: um, Is that a sign where are they going to start Jerome Robinson? Are they going to start two point guards like the Kings did last year with George Hill and De'Aaron Fox? I know that's a Kentucky thing with Shea and De'Aaron. That's not what I intended to get at there, but. You know what do the what does that Clippers backcourt look like in the case of Lou stays on the bench? So this is interesting, and I think I can venture a guess. Obviously, I don't know. I think they start Pat Beverly and Avery Bradley. I think they want to go I defense go first. They want to set a tone of of defense and energy and and kind of grit. Uh, they have like this clamp city thing going uh, with the you know the emojis of like the walks on Twitter. Uh, they've been tweeting about that. You know, it happened again when they they brought back Luke. Um, I think that's who they're going to start with. I think I would honestly start Pat and Shea together. I think that Shea is really good. I think they need to give him minutes and responsibility and throw him you know into real NBA playing time right away. Uh, so that's who I would start. I think they will go Pat and, and Avery. And I think if they're trying to win games, that's probably their best bet. Um, though, obviously, Avery Bradley was not that great last year. Um, could be just because of his hernia injury. Um, hopefully he's better this year. But um, I think that, you know, you start those two guys, you have Lou playing a lot of minutes as the sixth man. And you still have Milos Tadosic, who was yeah, good if injury-prone last year. Um I just don't think a bench lineup with him and Lou Williams, it would be really good and really fun offensively. Um, those guys are going to get torched on defense, um, you know, even with Luke out there trying to hold things down. That's a rough defensive combination. Milos honestly might not be in the rotation to start the year, which is tough because I think he was good last year, and I think he's an NBA player. But if I were the Clippers, again, I would – at least have Shea playing with Lou off the bench. I think that's actually a great combination because Shea is tall. He can handle some of those defensive matchups. He wouldn't have to handle the ball as much because Lou is such a great ball handler. Um, and the scoring burden wouldn't really be on him. He could kind of just fill in the gaps, be a secondary playmaker, uh, you know, get some catch and shoot reps off the, off the, off Lou Williams passes. So I would, I think he needs to be in the rotation um, Jerome Robinson, I like him too. I don't, I don't love him. I think, I do think he was a reach um, where the Clippers picked him. Um, I probably overreacted on draft night. If you want to scroll back and see, I was kind of freaking out about it. You um, want to Wagner? Let's be honest. You're, you're a Michigan <laughs> guy. We understand. Uh, I was actually more of a Zaire Smith guy. Um, oh, yeah, you're right. You're totally. Right. And uh, I also really like Troy Brown, who went to the Wizards. Um, yeah, I like him too. Yeah, there were there were some guys like you know. I'm not a Michael Porter guy. I think swinging Same. for the fences on him uh, was, you know, it's a risk. But, um, yeah, I wouldn't have minded that. But I think, I mean, Jerome can score. He can shoot. He can score. Uh, the issue is him and Lou Williams just does not seem like a good combination. Uh, on nights when they're hot, you know, those guys could put up huge numbers. On nights when they're not, um, or even when they're fine, uh, that those guys are getting destroyed on defense. I don't think Jerome Robinson is in the rotation to start the year. I think it's probably going to be Pat Bradley and then um, Shea Lou 
with some Milos. I think, honestly, they might go three-guard lineups quite frequently, um, even with the deep roster that they have with Luke and Mike Scott and, and Montrez. I think Doc is going to be experimenting a lot, and I think he might find that his best lineups tend to go small. Um, as good as Mike Scott is, I would not be surprised if the Clippers did three-guard lineups off the bench with Luke at the four and Montrez at the five. Um or um, did, like, some staggering and bringing Gallinari back in with the bench guys. Um, but, yeah, I, I don't think Jerome will be in the rotation to start the year, and I, I'd be a bit disappointed. I want to see what he can do. So, Robert, we do have a Twitter question. I put this out to see if anyone had any Clippers questions we can get out there, and it's from my guy Brandon Cisak. I just did his podcast recently, The Basket Bloggers. He <laughs> wants to get your opinion on Tobias Harris because he is from the Detroit area, so obviously – like all of our Detroit guys we know. I know. Hey, Kyle, how are you? Um, Pistons fans are very bitter that Tobias Harris is not a Piston anymore. So he asks, is Tobias Harris a true building block player for the Clippers, or will he be gone after the 2019 season? That's very binary. It's a good question. Uh, it's a difficult question. I think I'm not sure he's a true building block, but I also think he might not be a true building block and he'll still be on the team next summer. Um I think it really a lot depends on this year. It depends on how good the Clippers are. It depends a lot on how good Shea and Jerome are. Um, you know, I think if the Clippers' plans come to fruition, Shea and Jerome will have proven themselves to be good young players. Some of the other young guys, you know, Tobias, Trez, uh, you know, even some of the deeper bench guys like Cinderius Thornwell, uh, Jawan Evans, if he's still on the team, um, you know, those guys look good. They look promising. And between that and the cap space and Los Angeles and Steve Ballmer's pockets, um, they're able to bring in big free agents next summer. But in order to have that, you want to have a guy on your roster who's pretty good, who guys know is good and, you know, they'll want to play with. And I think that could be Tobias Harris. I think he's never scored 20 points per game in a season. I think he could on pretty good efficiency. Um, he's not a great passer, playmaker, but he's gotten better there. He's gotten a little bit better as a defender. Uh, he's just a very good player. I think the Clippers want to keep him. Uh, the question, again, will be price, because next summer uh, the cap will probably go up, and a lot of contracts are coming off the books from that disastrous 2016 summer, yep. and there could be a ton of teams with cap space, and there are a, a lot of stars available. But once those guys are off the table, some of these teams with cap space might be like, you know what, let's just pay Tobias Harris, you know, $30 million a year. And while I love Tobias, I don't think he's worth that much. I don't think the Clippers do either. So I think they do really like him. They offered him a contract extension, which he declined because he's worth more than that, um, than what they could offer him. But I think that they regard him probably as a building block of sorts. But even with that, um, if he gets a big enough offer and they have their eyes set on some free agents who you know, that money would, would kind of take away from that. I think even if they do really like him, even if they do think he could be a building block, I think he still might be gone next summer. Hmm. That is interesting. I, I wouldn't think that you, you, you played the, you played the line there, Robert. You didn't go here or there. <laughs> I see what you did there. I like it. I like it. So by the way, when you talk about Milos, um, I do have to let you know, I'm really upset. You told me this because I'm in a dynasty keeper fantasy basketball league. And I have two more years left of Milo, so if he's out of the rotation, I'll be pretty pissed that I can't move that contract. I could be wrong. Like I said, I think the three guard lineups will make an appearance. I don't think 
I don't think there's any way he just sits on the bench all year because he's too good and he's you know he's making a lot of money and that does matter. And the Clippers do like him a lot. Um, they really do. They thought he was. They were much better with him in the lineup last year. I mean, they were. The record was well over 500 when he was playing. Uh, his passing and playmaking unlocks a lot for them. So I do think he'll get minutes. I just think it could be a bit spotty. Like there will be some games where he probably pays plays pays plays 20 to 25 minutes there are also games where you know if their defense is sacking with him on the court and you know other guys are playing well he might get eight um but again you know you have to think about those injuries uh you know pat beverly avery bradley injury prone guys lou williams not necessarily but he's also you know he's not young anymore either if one or two of those guys get injured you know all of a sudden tatos is just back playing you know 30 minutes a game all right. Well, I don't want anyone to get hurt, but I'm not going to be able to move that contract, like I said. So I can live with that. I can, I'm content with this. That's fine. Um, let's talk a little about the Kawhi Leonard situation, because obviously mm-hmm. the two biggest names listed there were the Lakers and the Clippers. And you knew the way Magic and Rob Polinka and Jeannie were putting their plane together. It was, we're not going to give up our young cores of Brandon Ingram, Lonzo Ball, Kyle Kuzma, Josh Hart, etc., just to get Kawhi Leonard when we have a shot at signing him next year. The Clippers, on the other hand, I thought, you know, Tobias Harris and those two draft picks could have been something that Greg Popovich and R.C. Buford would have looked at. So, in your eyes, one, are you shocked Kawhi Leonard didn't end up with either L.A. team? And two, what would have been the offer if you are Steve Ballmer, if you're Doc Rivers and crew, what would you have offered for Kawhi Leonard? So, first of all, I don't think I'm that surprised. Um, I would not have bet on Toronto, to be perfectly clear. No, no, um, <laughs> Yeah, um... But I think taking the field against the L.A. teams, I probably would have done that because I think, you know, even without Toronto, you have, you know, Boston, you have Philly. There were other teams who were, who were in the mix, um, as well as, you know, obviously the potential of a wild card, which is what ended up happening. And once you look back at it at hindsight, it makes sense. I mean, the Raptors have a ton of assets. They were looking to shake things up. They've been dying for a true superstar for years now due to all the LeBron James, you know, playoff <laughs> dismissals at his hands. Um, but I think, so I'm not surprised about that. Two, I think that my offer probably would have been Tobias Harris, Jerome Robinson, or, uh, you know, before the draft, one of the draft picks, um, Pat Beverly, and maybe a future first, or... Uh, you know, a couple of the other young guys like, you know, Cinderius Thornwell, Jawan Evans. I don't think I include both draft picks this year. I don't think I include an unprotected first in the future. Um, like, I, it's tough with Kawhi just because we don't know if he's healthy. And right. even if he's healthy, we don't know if he's going to be that same guy again. I think I would bet on it. Um, but the problem I think I have is I think the Clippers, obviously, you know, it was rumored about them being interested in making offers. I think. The Spurs were not really focused on a futuristic package. I think they want to be good now. They want to win now while they still yeah. have pop and while LaMarcus Aldridge is still like an all-star, all-NBA-level talent. And I think if I were the Spurs, I would have personally preferred a Tobias, Jerome, Pat Beverly, you know, some other asset instead of DeRozan, Pirtle, and a future first. But they wanted DeRozan. They wanted the star power. They wanted to be good next year, and that's the direction they went in. Um and I can't entirely fault them for that, but I still think a Clippers offer, I think the likely Clippers offer they made was probably better, I think, than the than the Raptors offer. It's so funny you say um, 
the Spurs want to win now. They're not thinking about young guys. We had Harrison Fagan on from Silver Screen and Roll on mon- on our mon- on Monday show because this is LA week for us. We're doing our team previews. <laughs> he literally said the same exact thing you did. So, you guys being at summer league, you must have known a little something going on there that us little podcasters don't know. Uh that's tough. I I talked with some people. Um, you know, I'm not the greatest at that kind of networking and just going up to like agents or whatever. Uh, you know, most people really aren't. It's it's very tough to do. Yeah. Um, I talked to some people, and the prevailing sense I got this was early. I was there like the very first few days. Um, was that people knew he was leaving and he wasn't going to be on the Spurs, and they didn't think he was going to be on the Lakers. But they had no idea where else he was going. Um, you know, I talked to some pretty high up people, uh, just you know, very briefly, not like anything that could make an article or be like a source or anything. Uh, and people did not seem to have any idea what was going to happen with him outside of the fact he was going, and they didn't think it was be the Lakers. Uh, so I was not surprised by that. Um, but again, like knowing, you know, thinking about just it's one of those things that makes a lot of sense in hindsight, you know. You know, they, they wanted a star, and DeRozan was very imminently available. I think he's been available probably for, like, a year now, but especially after, you know, another playoff failure against the Cavs. And it just it makes a lot of sense. Like, again, if I were the Spurs, I'm not sure I'd be so hot on getting DeMar for, like, another few years at a lot of money. But I understand the rationale, and uh, I can't entirely blame them. I mean, I personally would have gone more of a rebuilding route, but... Um, you know, I'm also not in an NBA front office. Uh, so, you know, there are tons of other factors at play that we, and we in the media, but especially, you know, we who are not, like, super accessed and don't have, like, all these sources just don't know about regarding revenue or how they evaluate players or, you know, what they think is going to happen next summer, all that kind of stuff. I have no idea. I don't know what they think. I don't know what's going to happen. Um so it's possible, you know, they have some thoughts on, you know, how DeRozan and, and Aldridge could play out that I just wouldn't wouldn't think about, really. Yeah, for sure. I completely agree with that. So let's get a little bold prediction here from you, Robert. Are you ready for this? Mm-hmm. All right. Which L.A. team wins more games this year, the Lakers or the Clippers? Lakers. <laughs> really? With, all, with the, 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 the LeBron James and guys crew? So, so here's the thing. <sighs> I've bet against LeBron too many times. Like each each of probably the last three years, definitely the last two, but maybe even the last three, I've been like the Cavs aren't that good. Like they're just LeBron and Kyrie, and I, I actually think Kyrie is overrated too. I was like it's LeBron and Kyrie and junk, and you know they don't look good. They don't play any defense. You know they they seem discombobulated, and every year it did not matter <laughs> um, because LeBron is I'm young. Uh, but LeBron is the best player I've ever seen play basketball. It's Same. it's really not even remotely close. Um, and uh, like I just I can't bet against him again until until he actually doesn't make the playoffs. I can't say that he won't. And if you have him and the Lakers making the playoffs, and you have some of the locks like the Rockets and uh, the Warriors, I think. Realistically, the Jazz and Thunder are probably locks, barring an injury to one of their, you know, their star players. Uh, you know, that's five. That's five teams right there. I think you can make very strong cases for the Nuggets, Pelicans, and Timberwolves as all having, you know, better odds of making the playoffs than the Clippers do. And if you have all that, that's eight. 
Um, so, I mean, I think there is a scenario where both the Clippers and the Lakers make the playoffs, and then maybe it's a little more up in the air on who has more wins. But right now it comes down to I think the Lakers make the playoffs just because LeBron, I just I don't know what the Clippers um, I, do you think the Clippers win more games than the Lakers next year? I don't. I thought it was pretty close, to be honest. I'm pretty, okay. Yeah, I, I think, I mean, yes, the LeBron effect's a real thing, and I'm a big, I mean, LeBron's my favorite player I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm probably a little older than you. I'm 29. So I got the end of, like, 96, 98 for the Jordan run. Okay. I guess that's because the only guy anyone ever compares LeBron to, um, because that's dumb. But... <laughs> Um, yeah, I'm with you, man. Like, this is the first guy I've seen from start to finish. I know what he's going to do. And so, right now I lean the Lakers, but I'm, I wouldn't be surprised because I don't trust Lance Stevenson works out. Um, I don't really trust Michael Beasley works out. And, you know, I do like the young core of Lonzo, Kuzma, mm-hmm. Ingram, etc. But I think, you know, the Clippers have a guys that you know you're going to get. You, you know more of what you're going to get. Yep. The Pat Beverly's, the... Tobias Harris is guys like that. So, but again, going back to my earlier point, no offense, Doc Rivers, he will coach himself out of games. Yeah, I mean, I think you know, I think coaching will matter. But my view on coaching, really, um, and this is kind of why I'm so, I guess, ambivalent is the best word, is I just think I'm of a view um, that, you know. There are a few. There are always a few really bad coaches in the NBA, oh, and there are a Is few there? awesome coaches in the NBA. And everybody else, it's like they're all good. They're all really good at their jobs, um, and you know their value on any particular season depends, you know, on what way the season is going on who precisely they have on their roster and a lot of limited things. I think Doc is somewhere in that in that middle pool. Um, if the, you know, I think there's definitely an argument to be made, like you said, that like you know maybe. Maybe he cost them a couple games with some decisions. I think, on the other hand, maybe his ability to get his guys to play hard a lot wins them a couple games. I think, on the whole, he's he's probably going to be like around a net neutral. Um, but like I said, I mean, I think their ability to make the playoffs depends like almost entirely on injuries, and if not on injuries, then can Shea and or Jerome be like? You can't expect them to be Donovan Mitchell or Ben Simmons in the rookie right. years, but can they be like very impactful rookies? Can one of them be like a very good, like all rookie level guy who's a positive player and can, you know, make maybe, maybe if Jerome is, is really good, maybe he makes Lou Williams expendable. Maybe he makes Avery Bradley expendable. Uh, you know, and then you can get another asset in return for them. And then all of a sudden you have a deeper, more balanced team. Um, you know, stuff like that is, you know, those two guys are very important too. But really, I think it's injuries. If Gallinari and Beverly in particular can stay healthy, uh, but this, you know, guys goes from really all their veterans are like either, you know, they're kind of aging or they're injury prone outside of Tobias. Uh, you know, if, if they're, if they have some injuries to some of their key guys, they just don't have that star who can carry them to the playoffs. Like, you know, the Wolves, for example, who, you know, even if they have some injuries, as long as Jimmy Butler's healthy and, and playing like Jimmy Butler, like they're probably going to be really good and win 40-plus games. Same goes for Pelicans and Anthony Davis and Nuggets and Jokic. And the Clippers, as great as, as Tobias Harris is, he's really not on those guys' level. And uh, if they have some injury issues, I think, you know, Doc or no Doc and, you know, maybe even Jerome or, or Shea or, or, or not, like they just won't make the playoffs. 
Okay, that's fair. So, let's see. That's another bold, fun one we can have. All right. Do the Clippers have an all-star this year? They should have had him last year. Yeah, the best best probably Tobias Harris right now, right? Oh, absolutely. Um, I legitimately still think, I would still argue that when you go back and look at the stats of the all-star break, Damian Lillard's were not much better, if at all, than Lou Williams. And I think the Blazers were probably more disappointing at that point than the Clippers were surprising. And I still think... Paul George, um, you know, he's he's a better player than Lou Williams. I don't think anybody's like, yeah, you know, Lou Williams is a better player than Paul George. <laughs> it's not a thing that happened. But I don't think All-Star is necessarily about that. I think last year, the Clippers were really surprising at the All-Star break. They'd been able to weather, like, Blake Griffin's trade and all these injuries, and they were still in the playoff hunt. And Lou Williams was just absolutely out of this world. And the Thunder were really disappointing and I don't think they should have gone to All-Stars. I think Lou Williams should have made the replacement All-Star team either over either George or Lillard. Um, but I would not bet on that happening again next year. Um, I do think, you know, as you said, Tobias, most likely candidate. The West is just too stacked. I mean, you have to think LeBron's arrival makes one of the forward spots go away. You have Kevin Durant. Um you know, you have Butler, you have you have George, you have Westbrook, you have, you know, Harden, you have all these guys, and then you're at 20 names, and as good as Harris is, it's like, well, you know, <laughs> he's probably not a top 20 player. Now, he might be top 20, but he's probably not top 15 in the Western Conference. He's an incredibly hard worker. Um, you know, everybody, coaching staffs, front offices, they all rave about him. If anybody's going to make a leap in, like, their mid to late 20s, it might be him. Uh, but I just, I would not bet on it. Yeah, I'm with you. So, last question we have before we get you out of here. Um, and this is not a Clippers question. Being a Michigan football alum, I mean a Michigan alum, I'm an Notre Dame guy. We don't talk about, we don't want to talk about September. <laughs> um, I'm actually going to talk Michigan basketball, obviously a hell of a year last year. Is Charles Matthews on the Naismith Player of the Year award list this year? Mm. I like that question. I think uh, he is. <laughs> I mean, you know he had what? A hell I think of he a tournament. What? He had a hell of a tournament. Yes, he did. When when it when it mattered the most, he stepped up, and he had a pretty rocky second half of his season. Uh, but when when the chips were down, he rose to the plate. Um, he was really good um, in, in the tournament. With him, really, it all comes down to three point shooting, uh, to a lesser extent, free throws too, because he was pretty bad on that end as well. But. If he can hit threes and he brings like the same level of defense, and obviously like his athleticism is phenomenal, um, he's kind of an underrated ball handler and passer. If he can hit threes at like a forty percent rate at decent volume, you know, it's a that's a fairly big step up. But I think he can do it if he does that. Like, yeah, I do think he is. I think he's really good. Um, I think. You know, he could be a lottery pick next year if he develops his shot. And guys who are, you know, upperclassmen who go in the lottery are probably Naismith candidates. So, yeah, I think I think he he sneaks in there next year. I don't think he wins, uh, but I, I think he I think he makes the list. Yeah. Do you think they can make another run at playing uh, at the Final Four? Uh, they do have some good guys coming in. Yeah, they and- do. They do. And Jordan Poole, you know, he got he got his, his feet wet last year. He was good. He obviously hit that huge, legendary shot in uh, in the second round of the tournament. Um, he should be a lot better. I like Xavier Simpson a lot. Um, he has his own struggles with shooting. 
but he's really quick. He's a good defender. He's a good passer. Um, I, I don't know about Final Four. I think they could probably make like a Sweet Sixteen run. Like I think mm. I think they make the tournament. I think they could probably. I think they could like upset a team if they're ranked like sure. You know, if they were like twelve or thirteen or something, I think they could they could knock off a knock off knock up <laughs> uh, a higher ranked team. But I don't think they have the depth or or really the star power outside of maybe Matthews to make a deep run next year. All right, I, I, that's fair. So, Robert, that being said, I will mute you September first. Uh, we won't have to talk at all during that day on Twitter. But September second, <laughs> I will unmute you. We will be cool again. Um, <laughs> you know, obvious reasons. Um, but before we do get you out of here, uh, one of the things we like to do for our guests, and again, we do appreciate your time, uh, we give you a chance to talk on the uh, shout out where everyone can find you in the social media world, where they can find your sports coverage. Uh, anything you want to let the world know, the floor is yours, my friend. Well, thank you very much. Um, people can find me. The only social media I really use is uh, Twitter, where you can find me at Rich Homie Flom. Uh, which was probably a better name when I made it five years ago when Rich Homie Kwan was actually popular. Uh, now some people are like, wow, so. that's awesome. And other people are like, what is that name? And I'm just like, oh, it's okay. Um, but yes, that is my Twitter handle. Uh, most of my work can be found at Clips Nation. Uh, it's the LA Clippers SB Nation blog. I am one of the main editors. I also do writing for Blazers Edge, uh, which is the Blazers SB Nation blog. I actually had an article up today about guys who they could target with the MLE next summer, uh, which I think was pretty good. Uh, I think Blazers fans are mad at me because the guys are not all that impactful, but uh, and they were like, we can get better guys than these, and I'm just like, no, you can't. Uh, anyway, not to go into a huge thing. Um, yep, that's basically where you can find all my work. Um, you know, I thought that was a pretty good piece, and yesterday on Clips Nation, I do this series in the summer when there's really no news about uh, where are they now about former Clippers and their travels usually after the NBA. So I did it on uh, Clippers media and and blogger legend Malik Waynes who played eight games with the team from 2013 to 2014 and uh, his play in Europe. So if you want to check out uh, random stuff about an ex-Clipper or about uh, Blazers free agency next summer, uh, those are my two most recent pieces. And uh, yeah, I'm generally pretty friendly on Twitter and stuff. So if you want to say hello, you know, I'll, I'll have a basketball conversation with you. It's so funny you mentioned the Blazers there. Um, Pat Connaughton was on our show like three weeks before they decided not to pick up his option. And Oof. yeah. And so, but you know, he's happy to be in Milwaukee. I talked to him last week and I told him I was going to buy the Bucks Jersey. So as a Bulls fan, I'm going to buy a Bucks Jersey. Cause that's my guy. Is that, is that weird? Eh, I don't think it's, I mean, in like the today's day and age, I feel like fandom isn't, isn't quite as big as it probably was, right. you, know, you know, whatever. And even then, like, I, I don't think like people get really upset for like that kind of stuff. It's like, yeah, like whatever, like, Stuff looks cool too. Like I don't really care about the Dodgers, but I have a Dodgers hat. Like it looks cool. I mean, right? It's fine. <laughs> exactly. Well, Robert, this was awesome. Thank you so much for doing this, and um, we look forward to doing this again in the future. Yeah, awesome. Thank you so much for having me, man. All right, and this has been Forty Eight Minutes on Forty Eight Minutes Network dot com. You can check us out Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play, iHeartRadio, and Spotify. Five star reviews go a long way for us. Thank you all, and have a good night.